let people know kind of how the sausage is made, that this is this is how this works and that that's part of the process and to, to educate and help people understand what it is that I and my team actually do. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Okay, so what happens when you're in your role, working for a company, and for the most part, it's been great. You've been there for a while. And, you know, lots of good things have come out. You're, you've worked with a good team and you've had a lot of fun. It's been pretty meaningful, except that now it's not. A lot of those things have either stopped, changed, uh, you know, whether it's caused by a company merger or a new boss or you know, a completely different situation. That is, that is where our next guest found themselves. And I say guest, but this is actually a bit of a different episode. We've done this once or twice before, where we've actually shared an actual coaching session with you and allowed you to sit in as a fly on the wall and witness what happens as you're going through and listening to somebody that we've worked with. In this particular case, you're going to hear Elizabeth, and you're going to hear her begin on the early stages to identify what she really wants and needs. And even more importantly than that, some of the ways that I guide her through to help begin making this happen immediately. And you're not going to hear any magic bullets in this episode or anything else, but you are going to hear some things that you may be able to integrate into your own personal life and career and career change right away. All right. Take a listen to my coaching session with Elizabeth. The main goal really is to find out what's next. And I think it's because I'm having the same feelings that I had at my prior company towards the end of that role want to you know look forward four or five years at the next position that I have and say oh my goodness I'm feeling the exact same way that's not acceptable to me so it's about having that perspective to really have a different experience in wherever I land next tell me about what you mean when you say different experience mm -hmm. and then also tell me why you feel like with experience you've had mm -hmm where you get to the end of that four to five years is not mm -hmm. acceptable. Yeah. I understand those. Yeah. So um, the experience that uh, I usually arrive at by the end of four years is hitting some sort of wall where either I'm um, not at the table for decisions that impact me and the teams that, that I lead um, or uh, I, I cease to be able to make changes and make differences and, and influence how things are going at, at the company. So whether it's not being able to move up in the organization or um, just simply growing what I do and being the go-to person in, in an organization. So this is now happening twice. And so it's, is it something about how I approach my work 
and how I approach um, conversations with, with people that have an impact on me and what I do, or is it something else? I'm just kind of at a, at a loss of, of getting at that. So that is something that I don't want to, you know, repeat in the, in, you know, career number three. <laughs> okay. All right. And it sounds like you maybe have some things in mind because clearly you've spent some time thinking about this, but why do you, why do you believe mm-hmm. that that has happened? If you were to be mm-hmm. painfully honest with yourself about yeah. some of the reasons and chances are high, it's more than one reason, right? I know we yeah. as human beings yeah, have absolutely. a tendency to want to attribute it to one particular thing. However, chances are pretty likely <laughs> that it's a, a series of things here. So help me understand yeah. um, as uh, painfully honest as you can be, what some of those things that might attribute to that or what are some of the things you believe are causing that? Yeah. So partially it's, you know, my ability to influence others when I first meet them. So I don't have natural, you know, charisma to walk into a room and say, Hey, look at me, pay attention to what I'm saying. This is going to be a great idea. It usually takes me a while to, to build those relationships. And so, you know, if, the idea that I want to sell through or the initiative I want to start would require, you know, meeting with people multiple times. It seems like the higher up in the organization, the less time somebody very senior or an executive wants to give somebody to sell through an idea. Does that kind of make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So, so that's one barrier for sure. <laughs> Perfect. What else? Um, so some things are just, I, I feel like are, are fully, I could overcome, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in finance. So, you know, I thought, oh, I need to pick up stretch projects, like things I have not done. But again, it kind of gets back to, you know, making those relationships and finding those, those projects. I've also, in my career, because it's a relatively new technology, new industry, I often find myself doing multiple jobs. Um, because it's a under-resourced discipline. And so it's like at the same time I'm making a case to grow a capability, grow a team, I'm also having to do all of those jobs and make sure that we have some some wins. And then probably the other thing is that I'm very self-critical. So unless it's, you know, really amazing and we have this huge win, I'm not going to say anything at all to people. And that is something that I'm going to, that I am working on is how to let people know the kind of how the sausage is made, that this is, this is how this works and that that's part of the process and to, to educate and help people understand what it is that I and my team actually do. And when you say that you're referring to your analytics team and mm-hmm. being able to help and articulate uh, uh, what it is mm-hmm. that you do as a team and the value that you provide and how you can help others within the organization. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And um, it is uh, it is a challenge to uh, describe something to people who um, really don't have a lot of exposure to a space. And it may be the first time that they're talking about this kind of thing. So it's a lot of, of salesmanship. And I'm married to, to a salesperson. I am not a salesperson. <laughs> so, so it's not, it's, it does not come naturally to me. And so, so I'm finding all sorts of areas where like I, I, I'm losing sight of how 
where my personal strengths fit in and coming up against a lot of things that, that, that don't come naturally, that, that seem to be core to what people expect and perceive as, as being a, a leader. And so, again, that kind of charisma and influence and, and salesmanship, uh, it, it just, it's never been something that I've really tried to develop. You know, I, I am who I am, you know? <laughs> You're in analytics, and I've met a lot of people in analytics. A fair number of them consider themselves data junkies in one way or another. <laughs> Do you fall into that category? Uh, no, I'm, I would put myself in the category of translator. Ah, so, okay, awesome. And especially both in the a translator of analytics and a translator of tech. So how do all these systems work together? What benefits do they provide? That that kind of thing. Okay, fantastic. All right. That helps give me some perspective on where you feel like you fit in and also some pieces about what I know is underneath the surface there in order to make that work well. So that mm-hmm. that helps a ton. Aside from that, where do you feel like your greatest strengths are? If you could say, hey, here's my two to four big pieces that I am phenomenal at. And I'm not necessarily talking about like subject matter areas. I'm talking mm-hmm. more about, mm-hmm. you know, what are the things that are underneath the surface that help you in, you know, daily yeah. life or work or anything else along those lines? Yeah. So um, I'm very good at breaking down incredibly complex topics and translating it for folks who aren't, you know, uh, very involved in disciplines. I love being a translator. I love learning about stuff and and helping people understand it. Um so that's one of my strengths. I would say uh asking the right questions. So if a, you know, a group of people are in a room trying to tackle a problem, I get people to think differently about the the problem and arrive at a solution. I also really try to bring the right people together. So I get to know people and where their unique skill sets might be helpful in any sort of project or initiative that we're trying to do. So I think those would be my my top three. Okay. When you are helping people to think differently and you're asking the right questions, what's an example of a time where you've encountered that and you're like, oh, that was awesome. And then at the same time, like everybody else clearly benefited from it where you were having fun with that or even if you don't attribute it to fun, like you, it was, it was good for you in one way or another and it was good for them. What's an example of a, maybe the last time that that happened? Yeah. So we had spent months standing up a technology that basically created dashboards for marketers to understand how their work was performing out there in the world. So all of their marketing campaigns, that kind of thing. We were running up against a barrier of adoption, <laughs> you know, even though we built this and it's like, look at this amazing thing, please use it. Uh, you know, that it still wasn't happening. So we were all trying to get together and figure out what we could do. So the questions that I was asking of the team of, why do we do this in the first place? Why do you think that the marketers would want or need this? And, you know, trying to really bring things back that, you know, it's a group of highly technical, highly analytical people getting really deep into what we made, but asking the questions to bring them back to why we made it in the first place. So that was very helpful um, because if you get enough people who know how to make things work into a room, they may build something, but lose sight of the reasons why it was built. Yes. 
I've seen that happen more than once. Yeah, more than once. (laughs) (laughs) I have been on both the good side and the bad side of that. (laughs) Yeah. So I really, I just really try to guide conversations. It's not about controlling the conversations. It's about guiding it and amplifying ideas and, and getting them to explore different paths, I guess. What about that do you enjoy the most? Or what do you, what about that do you find most valuable to you? Be selfish for just a minute. <laughs> well, I really like it because it keeps people engaged and it means that like, I don't have to stand up there and, and say, Hey, I have this amazing idea. Like it's all about me. No, it's about two heads are better than one and that we can all be successful together. And therefore I would believe that what I contributed to or what I led can live on past me. And that's very important. I don't want to ever do something that if I were, you know, (laughs) if I were hit by a bus, it would just stop there. I want to make sure that what I work on is something that people would find valuable and want to continue to grow. What causes that to be something that's so important to you? What's behind that? Um, that's a good question. I've never really thought about why that's important to me. Well, now you get to. Now we I can get do to. it together. Now I get to. So good. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's because like I don't consider myself an idea person or an innovator. And so for me, I like to be part of things because that's how I contribute. Like I'm not the one with the fancy, flashy idea, but I'm the one who's going to help make it work. I like when ideas are swirling and all of a sudden it coalesces into something that people can actually use and that people find valuable. That makes a lot of sense. And this is going to sound like a weird question, but go with me. And this is, well, it'll lead to a series of other questions, but go I with me for a second. Questions. Perfect. This is going to work out because you're going to get a whole bunch of them here in just a moment. Okay. When you, when you think about that, I've heard you say a number of things. Like, I don't consider myself an idea person. I am not the type of person that has charisma, or I've never really you know, worked on that. I'm getting two two senses here. And what I'm trying to do is figure out where some of the lines are drawn, because mm-hmm. part of this is how you think about yourself and kind of the sure. story that you've told yourself. And then part of it is your natural tendencies and strengths. And right. what I am doing in my head and on my notes and everything else here, and we can go through and kind of dredge through together a little bit to try and figure it out, is where are the opportunities for that story to change and mm. be an impact on how you like how you do you for all intents and purposes? Mm-hmm. And then what are some of the lines where it's like, you know, you probably could develop this, but it's really not going to fall into your strength set necessarily. Like you don't have <laughs> right. a competitive advantage here. So I'm curious, like as you think about that, like, where do you think that line is for some of these pieces? Have you grown to be really, really good at asking the right questions because you don't consider yourself an idea person and haven't for maybe ever? Or is it a case where like ideas just don't come naturally to you in the same way that somebody who maybe is great at, at that side? Help, let's try and dredge through that together. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know that we're going to get to the perfect answer here, but let's see if we can figure out where the lines yeah. are. So I think for me, when I think of 
an idea person. They're, you know, sitting with a cup of coffee and crumpled paper all over the floor. And they're just like (laughs) sitting in a room by themselves, like jotting down these amazing ideas. I have never been drawn to doing something like that. Never. (laughs) Like, like if somebody sits me in a room, I'm going to read a book. And uh, it's not me jotting down the next big thing. So to me, like the brainstorming session and, and, and working with other people and amplifying other ideas and contributing to something, that to me is my version of ideation. Mm. But I always picture that as with other people. And, you know, like I am 100% an introvert, mm-hmm. <laughs> but when it comes to you know, this is actually where I am energetic with other people is when we're trying to to tackle a problem. So that's where that kind of comes from of, of, and maybe it's just my thinking of what an idea person is. I think everybody has a little bit different opinion as to what that is. Uh, I yeah. definitely, my, I'll only speak for myself. I won't speak for the whole rest of the world, but uh, <laughs> I have a different view of an idea person necessarily than like the person sitting with the crumpled paper and everything along those lines. But my view is very much colored by uh, what I've experienced as well. And same thing for the next person. I have a tendency to be very good at ideation, but my version of ideation is very much intertwined with collaboration, which is also something Mm -hmm. that uh, is a bit of a strength of mine. And what I'm curious about, like everybody has different strengths, but I'm curious if maybe that Mm -hmm. is some of the same things for you. Part of the reason I actually bring that up and, and spend the time talking about it is because for you, some of this stuff seems to be intertwined with different types of interaction with others and collaboration. Mm-hmm. Even though you're an introvert, it sounds like some of these pieces that you talk about, every single thing that we talked about is in conjunction with other people in one way mm-hmm. or another. Have you have you thought about mm-hmm. that at all? Yeah, no, I I definitely have thought about that a great deal because one of the, you know, as as I have been working with my manager about, you know, what is the future of my role at my current organization, she's yeah. urging me to go straight down the technical path where I would actually end up being very isolated because I would be the only person in the entire organization who serves that function. And so I immediately got this kind of I don't think I'm, even though my skill set and where like my technical background is, it would be well suited for that. Doesn't feel right for me for where I get energy and where I get most most excited because I'd basically be working by myself. <laughs> so you get that gut feeling uh, thinking about that that yeah, like oh something's yeah. off like way off. Something something's <laughs> really off because I don't. Yeah. Because it's like, sure, I can do all of those things and I can do them well, but I'm going to bore myself. Yeah. Even if we stop this conversation right here, then let this be validation that you should stay the hell away from um, (laughs) that type of role. Because uh, although I I know a a huge number of people that that would be amazing for and they get a ton of energy out of that. And that's how they like to work. Um, you would probably want to stab your eyes out after a period of time um, working in that role, you know, after six, eight months. So, um, yeah. And and don't get me wrong. I, I do like working independently and having focus time and all those things. But I think for me to be the best at what I do, it's about bringing my own knowledge to others and helping them succeed in whatever they're doing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I can absolutely see how some of those pieces relate here. So here's a couple of thoughts for you. And what we're going to do is we're going to end up actually tying this into how it relates to the main thing that you want here, which is Mm -hmm. deciding what your next steps can look like in terms of what do you need out of a company and a role and mm-hmm. all of these other pieces and trying to answer some of those bigger questions too. So we're going to wrap it back around to that. But first, I want to make sure that we're pretty clear on what is actually needed before we try mm-hmm. and figure out how do you get the rest of the way to that answer. Is that fair? Yep. Okay, cool. So on that note, then I think one, as I said before, it's pretty clear you need to have that type of interaction, collaboration, uh, whatever else. But another thought for you that I haven't heard you reference at all, and it doesn't sound like you're getting this type of feedback from the people that you're working with, you know, leadership or otherwise, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that you need to have or be that extremely charismatic person <laughs> in order to influence others, which i all one of the main, like, it, it doesn't matter which study you look at any place, or even if you're just talking to people about um, leaders in general, one of the biggest characteristics is their ability to have an influence on other mm-hmm. people, right? Because right. that's really what leadership right. is when you get down to the core of it. Now, mm-hmm. what we also know is that there are a ton of great studies and slight variations out there that have to do with like how charismatic are actually some of the biggest leaders in the world. And what we find is it's actually a pretty good mix, a much, much larger mix than what most people would think. Because I think the stereotypical image is that like extremely like gregarious, charismatic person and everything yeah. else that goes along with it. Like that's what jumps to my mind too. And yeah. I, I know the facts on it. Right. And that would that would be incredibly inauthentic if I were suddenly going to play the part of the charismatic leader. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it is normal that that feedback from any organization or leaders in any organization, like that's the stereotypical thing that jumps to, to mm-hmm. mind. So I think feedback that we all get in leadership roles has a tendency to be colored with that stereotype slightly. However, Mm. what I would suggest and a different way to look at this is how can we lean into some of your strengths in order to better have the result of influencing people? Because what I'm hearing from you is that you actually have some pretty phenomenal strengths for influencing people. And also you have not developed those in ways where you can have a fairly rapid impact in order to create different perceptions, especially at higher mm-hmm. leadership levels where there's where those perceptions are formed fairly rapidly and right. also you get less time with those people. Does that make sense at all? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because that's where, you know, that that this could the feedback that I've received and and, you know, being very helpful to my peers, that's partly because I see them all the time and we have, we work together all the time and I very rarely find myself in, in rooms with, uh, you know, the next level of leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. when you do uh, trying to, uh, trying to lean on the ways that you have developed those strengths up until now requires a lot of time. And your team is benefiting from that and they, they can see those leadership characteristics easily, like 
it's hard not to because they also benefit from the time that it takes in the ways that you have manifested that up until now. So mm-hmm. I would actually suggest a different solution for this overall problem. And part of the reason why I'm going after this first is I heard you say, hey, no matter what, I don't want to duplicate what's happened in the past over and over again. So regardless of the right right, right job, right position, right company, right team that you're working, all of those things, regardless of whether or not we get those right, I'm hearing that it's also and probably even more important that we don't repeat the the history in the past or go to all that effort to decide what is the right thing for you and then have the exact same situation happen. Is that fair? <laughs> that is that is precisely what's at stake here. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that's that's exactly why we're tackling this part before we tackle the other part. So here's a couple of thoughts, and these are not what you have to do, but I just want to expand your exposure to how this could look for just a, just a moment here. And then we can talk about what specifically would be great for you to do. Um, so a couple of things that I heard from you are that you actually do significantly have the ability to influence others. And part of the way that you do that really well is through things like questioning and interacting in in ideation type ways where you are asking incredibly good questions. Um, part of the ways that you do that is by helping to break down fairly complex things and take complex situations even and turn it into something that is much more simplified. That those are those are two pieces that I heard. Those I think also are incredibly useful for influencing people. So the question that that naturally leads me to is how could we do some of those same things as you're getting the opportunity to interact with other people in leadership where you spend less less time with? How could we leverage mm-hmm. some of those same strengths that you have in order to do that differently than the way that you you have now? So I, I do have some ideas, but I'm curious, is there anything that pops into mind for you where you may have had opportunities in the past, but haven't approached it leaning on some of those strengths? So one thing is trying to find opportunities where there is a problem that, that hasn't been solved yet that's that's being discussed at that at that level and getting myself invited to those conversations, because more often than not, I'm brought into the conversation after the decision is already made. <laughs> so there's not really an opportunity to discuss and, and arrive at different outcomes than, than we might have otherwise. Mm. I'm kind of just brought in as like, oh, you're the subject matter expert in this space. Tell us what you know about this thing. <laughs> Let's get Elizabeth in here and like have her right, exactly. like, distill like, all her oh. expertise down. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> so currently, um, that's good because they value your knowledge and, and skill set and everything. But knowledge and skill set is not equated with leadership. A lot of times that's equated no. with up to a certain level for all intents and purposes. And what I'm hearing from you is you want to be valued for different things. Yeah. Okay. So then what would it take do you believe to get inserted into those conversations earlier for them to think about you in that capacity? Like we need to get her in here because we need her input in order to make the decision 
And I want her input on this decision as opposed yeah. to, hey, we've pretty much already made the decision, but we want to validate this afterwards and see if we're <laughs> making the right decision. Yeah. I mean, so the part of it is people being aware that I exist. So sometimes I'm known for a, a very particular set of skills and people aren't necessarily aware that my background is much broader than that particular set of skills. Yeah. And so again, knowing a little bit more about me and, and how else I can provide value, that's one thing that I think would, would help me be a part of those conversations. I am really terrible at just having a conversation without a particular purpose in mind. So like, again, it's that kind of, I'm a walking set of skills is kind of what the... <laughs> I, that is a common thing for introverts. So uh, you're in good company. I also very much feel that way a lot of the time. It is painful sometimes for me to, and don't get me started on small oh, yeah. tack. That's a, that's a whole different. Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, being in marketing, there are a lot of people who are incredibly good at that yeah. and it is highly valued. So, so that kind of thing about just being perceived as a well-rounded person, you know? <laughs> Uh, and, and that takes having conversations, uh, that are not at these like high stakes, we need to figure something out, but also yeah. like just people knowing what I do and, and how I, and how I do my work. So. Okay. So here's a couple of thoughts for you then, and we can choose which ones are the best things to carry forward, um, either immediately or in future roles as well too. Mm -hmm. So. All of these suggestions are going to lean a bit on your strengths and tendencies and kind of how you are as a person, as opposed to trying to fit you into another box or whatever mm -hmm. else, right? So number one, if you feel like you need to have a goal and that's the way that you're going to have a conversation, let's do that and let's insert a goal in mind. And what if we were to bring in your tendency to be able to ask great questions as well on top of it? And essentially, some of these things that you do anyway, and you probably can't help but do, I'm guessing. Um, so what if instead, as a simple example, what if you went to two or three people that you believe it would be beneficial to build relationships with because mm -hmm. they are decision makers in one area or another? And what if you had the very simple conversation in exchange with them saying, hey, you know what? I really would love to understand more about what it is that you do for two reasons. And this is where we insert the goals, right? And the, the context and reason why. One, <laughs> I'm very interested in what it is that you do. And this has to be genuine. So don't go to people and have this conversation unless you are legitimately interested. Right, right, right. Uh, yep. We're not interested in flattery for the sake of flattery here. We're interested in keeping it genuine. But if you went to those people and said, hey, I'm really interested in what it is that you do, I want to have a better understanding of what it is that you do and how you do it. It seems like you do it really, really well. And mm -hmm. I think that I would benefit tremendously from understanding a lot more about it. Plus, I'm just curious. And would you be willing to sit down or could we go grab coffee sometime mm -hmm. in the next few weeks and... Uh, would you be willing to tell me more about what you do and why you're good at mm -hmm. it and what you feel like it takes for somebody in your type of role to be great at it? Could you, do you feel like you could have that type of conversation with, with somebody? Yeah. And, and actually I've done that. Uh, but it, again, the, I don't do it often. 
So the fact that you you mentioned it because I, I would I didn't get immediate feedback that that was that was but that sound like it's the long game like you you do this frequently both and end up uh, you know learning something about a part of the organization that you may not know before or you know and, and just getting to know people and so um, it's good confirmation that that that's something that would be beneficial. So, but wait, there's more. This like infomercial style here. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is this is definitely a uh, long game. You're absolutely right. You've diagnosed it correctly. <laughs> but anytime you're building relationships, is mm-hmm. long game. And if you really think about it, whether it's on large scale or small scale, leadership and influencing others really all is about relationship like yeah people don't really care what you know and how much of a badass you are at analytics or anything else like until they know that you care in one way which goes back to relationships right so now you don't need to be the queen of small talk or anything else like that to build relationships fortunately right yeah thank goodness (laughs) thank goodness But what we can do here is cultivate this over time. So let me give you an example of how a series of these types of interactions might develop a a relationship. And then we can figure out, hey, how do we incorporate this into a a plan for you, wherever you happen to be at, so that you have a go-to, let's call it a framework to lean on uh, wherever you happen to be at, so that you get the end result of building relationships, which then you're much more likely to be brought in on decisions um, long before they happen and everything else, or you get the privy of having information where you can ask to be brought in and be, and mm-hmm. people willingly say, Oh yeah, absolutely. Beforehand. So let's say that you have that initial conversation, which you had some of those that in itself mm-hmm. is not going to be magic bullet style. It's not. Like, darn it. I know it's so, <laughs> Oh, can't like it just be that and they're done. No, you really, yeah. you, you have to do that. And then and it has to be genuine. You can't fake any of this. So right. I would say right. make sure that as you're having these conversations, these are people that you legitimately want to get to know better for one reason or another, mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise it's going to come off and be just a waste of your time and, and theirs. So this has to be mm-hmm. genuine. We can't fake that portion of it. But then um, I think that one of the things that you can do in that conversation, especially if you find that you are still interested in what it is that they do and them, uh, I don't know, maybe you hate the interaction. You're like, oh, how can I get the heck away from this person? In that case, go find somebody else. But if you're enjoying <laughs> the interaction, um, if you're enjoying mm-hmm. the interaction, then it can be a natural progression. And the next progression might be, you know what? This is awesome. I so appreciate you taking the time. I would love to do this again at some point in the future. I'd actually love to delve further into like what are the problems that you're experiencing mm-hmm right now? What are some of the biggest problems mm-hmm. that you're working on? Not as it has to do with analytics, but what are some of the biggest problems that you're working on that are just driving you insane or keeping you up at night or you know, mm-hmm. causing a pain in your rear or whatever else along those lines? And that gives a reason to continue on to another conversation. You know, could we do this again mm-hmm. in a few weeks or could we do this again in, in another month or uh, anything else? And then you come back and again, we're keeping we're keeping in mind your natural tendency. So now we've got an additional goal, additional reason to have mm-hmm. the conversation. And then it's easy. So you don't have to make small talk and all the stuff that you're like, oh, but then aside from that, you also are building the relationship. And when you can get into what problems are people experiencing in their world, 
that gives you so much valuable data because that allows you to be able to almost cherry pick and say, you know what, I can actually help you with that one. And then that can be the reason for the third conversation. Um, And that is how a relationship is born where uh, not just any relationship, but that's one way there's probably nearly infinite ways to build relationships, but this is one way where it can work in your world to where then at that point, you've got an opportunity to legitimately help them in a way that would be very valuable. Because if they say, you know what, I've got A, B, and C going on, and I just, I don't have the time or bandwidth to be able to even figure out like, where do I focus my efforts? You know, it might be that you ask them really good questions in that conversation and they figure out the answer and they're like, oh my goodness, this is so helpful. Like, can we have coffee again in two weeks? (laughs) Or it might be that you like, you know what? I have three people on my team that are seriously awesome at that. Um, Why don't we spend two hours and let's see if we can tackle that together. And if that would make a massive difference in your world, I got to believe that, you know, that some of the revenue would follow um, or whatever it might be. But once you have that information, it gives you, it puts you in a position to be able to add an additional level of value. And that's really what gets you seats at the table. Yeah, I definitely, that resonates a lot because some of the struggles that were where I have, you know, come away from a conversation. I'm like, wow, that did not go well is when, you know, I've, I've guessed incorrectly, you know, where they're coming from or what their agenda is or what do they need from me. And so, you know, going into a conversation with some sense of like, you know, how I can help them. I mean, that, that, that's great. Which parts of that do you believe you could put into place or which parts of that do you think would best fit in your world? Of having these conversations? Yeah, of all the things that we just talked about, because that's that's one um, example out of what could be many. But um, which parts of that do you feel like you could integrate going forward? Yeah, I definitely think um, you know seeking out because uh, I, I can already you know envision in my head who I've you know been meaning to talk to because I think what they're doing is actually interesting and I want to yeah. find out more about it. That also serves as I'm exploring my career and what else I could be doing, like yeah. learning about what other people are doing is, is a great way to do that. Um, and at the the same time, uh, you know, having follow-up conversations and getting people to reveal what challenges they're facing both makes me feel better that everybody has challenges, even the most put together people, uh, <laughs> and help spark some ideas about how I might be able to help them with, with, my skill sets and my natural strengths or those on my team. And so I really don't view this as I'll only do the first part or I'll, yeah. I'll jump straight to the second part. It's like, I, I don't see them as separate things. I think it's one concept that, that can work together. Great. Then I would say you've already got some people in mind. So it sounds like you could begin mm-hmm. implementing this like tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. See, here's the thing. I have had several of the step one conversations mm-hmm. <laughs> and then have not bothered to follow up. So this kind of gives me, uh, you know, like, oh, yeah, there is a reason to not have just one conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, again, there's many, many ways to do this, but I've essentially taken this and just adapted it to your world 
or taken mm-hmm. one way and then just adapted it mm-hmm. to your world so that it caters to stuff that's easy for you as opposed to stuff that's really difficult or less, way right. less fun or whatever else yeah. along those let me, lines. Let me barge into that conference room. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. Okay, what, I'm why here. Why am I not in this room? I have yeah. met people like that and uh, I don't, I don't know how they get away with it. <laughs> But everybody is, I mean, everybody's different. And, and I mean, part of the way that they might get away with it is they already have all the relationships where they can yeah. barge into the conference room and it's completely okay because um, people know that if they're going to barge into the conference room, that is probably going to be something important or whatever else it might be. Uh, but That's chances- a really good point. Yeah. Because I wouldn't know, you know, all the work that, that they did to, to have that leeway. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. So the the thing that I think is really going to be useful for you is if you can lean into the things that you're already good at, as opposed to thinking mm-hmm. that you have to do it that way, where like you've seen that person mm-hmm. barge in your conference room and you're like, what gives them that right to be able to do that? Um, don't do it their mm-hmm. way. Do it your way. No, that's, that's good. Well, okay. Let me ask you this. Yeah. What do you do in a situation where your manager is telling you to do it? their way you know like not recognizing that that may not work for me when i get to that situation i always have variations of the same conversation and that conversation Mm -hmm. sounds something like this hey i really really appreciate that feedback and that makes a ton of sense because i think that that is something that could work Mm -hmm. what i'm trying to do and what i need your support in is helping me find the ways that are going to best work for me that mm-hmm. leverage my current assets as opposed to trying to completely change my myself. And while I understand exactly how this could work, and it probably works for you very well, mm-hmm. I'm feeling very, very strongly like I need to get the same result because I totally agree that you, you and I um, both believe I need to get a different result than what I'm getting. But I would like to spend just a little bit more time and experiment with other ways to get to that result. Would you be willing to support me to try a few different ways so that I can find something that both feels good to me and gets this exact same result that you and I both want? And then you're you're essentially asking them permission and expressing what you need from them specifically at the same time while not making them feel crappy because they're doing their best to... Uh, try and help support you in the best way that they know. Right. And they're probably not recognizing that they're heavily giving it through that lens of what works for them. Right. Does that help in terms of... That made a lot of sense. Sometimes in the moment, I forget to acknowledge someone else's idea, <laughs> you know, like yeah. to, to be thankful for the feedback because feedback is, it is helpful. Even if, even if I perceive it as negative or positive, it's, it's all helpful because it is something to think about and to either act on or not, depending on what I want to do about it. So, Yeah, absolutely. So the more that you can acknowledge that and then express mm-hmm. what you want and then ask their permission to be able to essentially get what you want or ask for their commitment to helping you get what they want and what you want too, mm-hmm. then that's going to serve you rather well. Let's come back to the larger issue at hand here. Now mm-hmm. that now that we have given you a couple of additional tools in your tool belt to do it your way as opposed to all the other ways that we think we have to do um, that same thing, especially as it relates to leadership. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if you did nothing else but built relationships that way, 
you're going to have a completely different result. Like if we didn't, if we didn't change anything else, but you started in a focus and effort where you, know, you met with four or five people over a couple of months and then had those series mm-hmm. of conversations, if you did nothing else but that, then I think that that would help you really, really well. And you'd have likely a different result. You're still going to have learnings. You're still going to have all kinds of other things along with it. However, it's going to put you much more in the room and you're going to be able to experience um, how you can grow from that point. Yeah. Coming back to this idea of taking time off here. Mm-hmm. So I believe very strongly it is going to be important for you to get perspective. I also mm-hmm. think that that may not require taking multiple months off necessarily. What if you trialed this out in a different way, in a shorter term way, in order mm-hmm. to see if you can get some of the perspective that you need? And then from there, decide, okay, is this going to be a good way for me to get some of these answers that I'm really looking for? Or would there be a better way? Because when we got on this call, it seemed like you'd very much already attached this taking time off as a yeah. as a solution for that. I very much understand that because I've been there. I've done that. And <laughs> I've done it multiple times, in fact, in my career. And I have had it work out well for me and had it work out not well for me. And then as we've built this company and grown in scale, we've seen many, 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 many people uh, do it well and not do it uh, where they get the answers to. So one of the recommendations that I would have would be, could you take like a four-day weekend and specifically devote it towards identifying what would really create a great situation for you? and trial it out that way or whatever it might be. Maybe it's a week off or something else along those lines um, yeah. prior to making the decision to take the the time off. Because what you might find is that, hey, I know this is the wrong situation for me and I do need to change companies or I do need to change yeah. uh, roles. And if you already know that, then there's not still a reason to take that time off in that same way. Maybe you used to decide, Hey, I still need a break or whatever. So I'm going to go get another job. And then I'm, I'm going to negotiate that I have a month off in between and I'm going yeah. to you know go, I don't know, travel Europe or do whatever for a month. And that's going to be awesome, but it's not going to be for the purpose of figuring this out. Or maybe you find, Hey, that I am getting more perspective and it's much easier for me to work on. And I probably do need a matter of, you know, three to four or greater weeks or months to be able to do this. But if you can trial it, in a smaller capacity and learn from it and something that is a little bit lower risk, then you can mm-hmm. get that feedback for yourself and decide what is it that I actually need in order to make this decision. How, how do you feel something like that could work for you? So it's interesting that you say that because that, that is, um, I have been trying something like that um, over the course of this year because I started, cool. it started creeping in. So, so the, my, my dream job that is an outcome of taking a long weekend and and combing through various um, job postings and cobbling something together. That I'm like, this would get me excited if I saw something like this. And so, but in doing that, I acknowledge that I don't have all of those skill sets yet. And I also haven't built the relationships to kind of move me in that direction and to basically convince folks to give me a chance in that space. So in, you know, previous job searches and job searches of friends and all that kind of thing, it's either you have all of the skill sets 
or you know somebody who can put in a good word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that were it, you know, taking some time off uh, in my head anyway, I was thinking, oh, that's where I can, you know, shore up some of those those skills or really take some time to build some relationships and devote more energy to the whole networking aspect of things. Part of my current situation is the way things are, I feel so drained yeah. that it's very difficult for me to do the things that don't come naturally to me, like that relationship building. Um, and so it's like literally the last thing I want to do, even though it's the best thing for me. <laughs> yeah. If that if that makes sense. And yes. and I have taken um in my prior role when I, you know, got to a point where I was like, I'm just hitting all these barriers. I'm not sure how I'm gonna get beyond them. I took a leave of absence and I went and did a technical boot camp. When I came back, I had a very different perspective and I was able to work with my teams differently. And what that resulted with is people looked at me differently and I was offered a role that it turned out I didn't want to do. <laughs> so so it it was it was an odd twist of, you know, going off and, and doing something for my own learning, which changed people's perceptions of what I was good at and and what I did and what was created for me didn't have my input. And so it was like, here, we did this thing for you. Don't you love it? And I was like, whoa, that is not, I mean, maybe if you had talked to me, we could have come up with something that was, that, that I actually wanted to, to do. So I'm kind of afraid of something like that happening, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Have you, have you shared your ideal role, this, uh, this thing that you have spent time and effort on with mm-hmm. your boss? I have. Awesome. And uh, it, it didn't go well. <laughs> In what way? She said, I need you to be doing what you're doing <laughs> was the uh, was the response. So, OK, so yeah. um, that makes total sense. I think one step forward would be, hey, uh, this is scheduling a separate conversation with that and saying, hey, I absolutely appreciate you saying that I need you to be doing what you're what you're doing. That makes a ton of sense for for me. And I also can anticipate the need. This is also mm-hmm. something that is very important to me that I'm mm-hmm. working towards because this is the type of role that I want, believe I want to be in at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking for your help in continuing to do what I'm doing and getting you what you need yeah. and making sure that the team is getting what they need and also looking for opportunities to be able to move closer and closer to this type of role, because this is really yeah. what I want. So that is exactly how I pitched it. It's cool. so kind of funny to hear that back. Yeah. So I'm starting to tip over into the, I think I'm in not a great situation. <laughs> like within the, uh, the manager that I have, and I don't know like how much to work with versus around. How strongly do you want to stay with your current organization? Like if you just rate that on like 10, like I love everything else about it, except for my manager who's blocking me right now, intentionally or unintentionally. One being I needed to leave yesterday. <laughs> like where, where are you at? <laughs> Ooh, that's gone through a lot of change. So it, it, it ebbs and flows. Um, yeah. I would say uh, if I could have 
if I could be working towards the role that I described, uh-huh. I would stay there. Why? What would? Uh, Why? Uh, yeah. What were the big drivers of that? Because one of the things that that the my current organization does very well is give people chances. It's more important that they um, have knowledge of the company than it is necessarily that they have the the skill set to do the the job they've been hired to do. They're willing to to train up those skill sets. So I, I very much appreciate that because I do want to experience new things over over time. I don't want to just be stuck with one skill set or in in one group. So I so I see that potential in this organization. The challenge is that in my current organization, I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of advocates in like the natural like the the advocates that that should be easy to get like. I've I've never had a problem enrolling my my manager in my own growth. This is literally the first time. So let me, uh, if it's okay, let me interrupt for just a second though, because I started asking like, why would you why would you stay? And you said that I very much appreciate the fact that this company values knowledge, and it sounded like the real reason behind that was uh, like it allows opportunity to be able to trial different things, right? And I would say that you can definitely get the opportunity to trial different things at another organization for sure. So Mm. is there anything else that, and maybe even more so, and maybe even uh, different ways too, but is there anything else that would cause you to really want to stay where you're more attached to this organization as opposed to just a comfort level with this organization? Not really. (laughs) <laughs> if, it, if it really uh, came down to it, no, I, I mean, they, they pay me very well. So that's been a challenge um, as I've applied to other roles and um, been taken out of the process pretty early because of salary requirements. So that's kind of uh, been an interesting feedback in, in looking for other positions. Um, I've done more career ex and thinking about what I want to be when I grow up uh, in this past year than I think I've done in the last 10. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it is like, it, it's, it's almost like that is the common after, you know, after thinking about it for a weekend or, you know, uh, longer than that, um, it, it does seem to continually come back that I, that I have an expiration date here. And that makes me a little sad because there are a lot of people I, I enjoy working with and it's, I like mission-based companies and things like that. And this, this is one. So I think the people is really the only thing that would keep me there. Which that's a pretty normal feeling. What's that? For, that's a pretty normal feeling for, yeah. uh, for many people as well. So I think that there's a series of, um, series of things that you can do. And I think you're actually in a pretty good situation. It sounds like for you, Unless the growth and opportunities change, really, even though it's uncomfortable, it's kind of a no-brainer that you should be leaving. Like, if you're not going to be able to have mm-hmm. any chance and any support at this role, which you've already put some good work and good thought into, or moving continuously towards this, which I think is, from everything I've seen, like, I don't think you have any reason to feel like you shouldn't be moving towards that this idea of yeah. the ideal that you have you have created or what you really want in terms of a position and i think that's amazing that's awesome and just wanted to give you a little bit of validation that you should be moving towards that 
And if you're not going to have people in your court that are going to help you move that way, that direction, then I think you should get rid of those people. Mm. Can't put it more blunt than that. <laughs> that. That's my personal opinion. But here's the reason why yeah. I say that is because otherwise you're going to find that it'll be even higher levels of discontent than what it feels like right now over a period of time that's going to grow. And there absolutely will be an expiration date on on it. I think you've rightly diagnosed that. And there is no reason you can't find that in another organization. And I think part of that's actually part of your perception as you've made a couple of, of attempts and you've gotten thrown out of the the process because of salary and stuff early on, I think that's colored your perception of your abilities to change organization. And that's influencing mm. this a little bit here too. Am I diagnosing that rightly? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, you know, it's certainly a lot of work to do those applications, you know, so you want to, you know, have some idea that you might possibly be considered, you know, past the, the phone screen, you know? Yeah. One, in terms of doing applications, I think that there are some other ways that we can help you work through on the salary side mm -hmm. in terms of once they decide you want you, they want you, then all of a sudden things are on the table that weren't on the table early on. Like, <laughs> but we have to get to yeah. that point first. Like, right, right. Right. Yeah, I think that would be the next step, really upping your skill set around how to work through those type of situations so that you don't get mm -hmm. thrown out early. Or the other alternative is to work behind the scenes so that it is much less of an issue and you don't have to deal with those gatekeepers that it's their job to throw you out of the position um, early <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that connects a lot with our, our previous part of the conversation about, you know, relationship building and stuff. So like that backdoor method is absolutely the direction that I want to go. Even if it is tougher for me personally, I think it is the one that would pay off in the end. Agreed. Agreed. Um, we consistently see higher offers going non-traditional routes versus through mm -hmm. the front door of the job application. We pretty consistently see lower offers with everybody that we work with through that front door type method. So let's set, let's set a couple action items here. And then we'll, let's talk about what mm -hmm. you can do in the future um, to target those types of strategies too. We'll have to handle those strategies in a, in a different time in some way, shape or form mm -hmm. here. But immediate action item, it sounds like is one, contact those people, You know, email them or call them could you do that tomorrow? Could you set aside 15 minutes to uh, have either a brief conversation with uh, two to three of those people that you had in mind that you want to develop relationships with in your current company or drop them an email saying, hey, I would love to be able to uh, learn more about what it is that you're doing and uh, or continue a conversation that you've had in the past? Is that something that you could do? Do you have 15 minutes or yes. find 15 minutes tomorrow? Okay, so that's action item yep. number one. Action item number two then is... Let's identify what is another specific date where you could take a little bit of time off and do the next mm -hmm. level of identifying what you want. You've already done a great job of identifying the role that you want in some of those pieces. Mm -hmm. Now I'd like you to flesh out further what do you need from your organization and the people that you work with in terms of growth? There's two reasons I want mm -hmm. you to do this. One, I want you to have a good understanding so that if you shift organizations, 
you know what you're looking for in terms of, I want to work with these type of people. I need this type of support from my manager or my my boss or my leader. Mm-hmm. And then the second reason I want you to do that is because you're going to, in order to have a chance at staying at this organization, you're going to need to have mm-hmm. an additional conversation or two with your with your current boss and saying, hey, this is what I really actually want. And this mm-hmm. is really what I actually need. And if I can't work towards this, then I think long-term, this is not going to be the organization for me uh, overall. Yeah. And to be fairly direct with that doesn't mean like you don't know that you're leaving tomorrow or anything. So if you said, I'm no. out of here tomorrow, that would be a lie. And that's no good. We're not interested in lying <laughs> yeah. to her. We're also not interested in scaring the crap out of her, uh, how she's going to have to replace you tomorrow. But we do want to be very transparent so that you can ask for what you need. Mm-hmm. I know that this is in, was something that I want to work towards. And you know, when I talked to you about that last time, it felt like you weren't very open to that. So I would like to understand mm-hmm. some of the reasons why you, you know, why you're thinking what you're thinking, and then I would like for us together to be able to figure out how we can work towards this. Even if I'm not ready yet, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, mm-hmm. this is what I want to be working towards, and if I can't work towards that in one way or another, and that's never a possibility here, then it, it doesn't make sense for me to stay here long term. And I'm guessing you'd probably do the same thing, or probably say the same thing, or feel the same way if you were in my shoes. Right. Is that something that you'd be open to having a conversation about? And then and that'll lead that'll lead you down the road to the conversation. But you, prior to going into that, you need to understand what it is that you need from them, whether they're him or her, I didn't pick up that part, but you need to understand that so that you can then ask for what you want when you get into that conversation later. Yeah, no, that that definitely makes sense. Um the good thing is I have, I'm actually taking two weeks off, uh, oh, in the holidays. So this feels like it's such a great, be, I don't yeah. know, amazing turn of, uh, coincidences working out really well. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it is. And it's like, uh, I don't need to spend time on new year's resolutions. I need to spend time on yeah. career resolutions. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Right on. Do those three next steps work for you? Do you feel like you can integrate each of those into into play. None of those will be easy, but all mm-hmm. will be necessary to help move you forward. Yeah, no, all of these, um, you know, because they are all things that I had started doing or that they, they are natural progressions to what I thought might be helpful. So this, this actually will uh, push me further into that direction. So that's, that's great. Hey, stay tuned. I hope you heard something that you can use or made you connect something in a different way that was really useful to you. And let me know if you enjoyed this episode of the Happen to Your Career podcast. By the way, as Elizabeth's situation progresses, which it's progressed pretty fast, then we're going to come back and we'll update you on what ended up happening and how she's made her transition. So stay tuned on a future episode for that. But in the meantime, I want you to know that right here on Happen to Your Career, we have so much more coming for you. Next week, we have a different type of episode where we help you crack the code on what it takes to be happy in your career, more happy, more frequently, and what specifically you need 
to do about it. And we divide this into six areas where you can actually identify and do something about Being in a job that looks like a dream job on the outside doesn't mean it's going to be the dream fit for your inner values and your strengths and your interests. And I can't tell you how many people find HTYC because they're in a job that they thought would be great, but it isn't. All that and plenty more right here next week on Happen to Your Career. Hey, by the way, if you're still listening, I'm going to give you a little bit of a bonus little bit of a bonus. As you might know, we work with a limited number of people each year, uh, several times a year, as we open Career Change Bootcamp. Uh, We've worked with Elizabeth inside Career Change Bootcamp. We've worked with many of the other people that you've heard on the Happen to Your Career podcast. And it's one of the best opportunities to make a career change, especially when you want support to make something that special happen in your life and career over the upcoming months and the rest of this year. So now's your opportunity. Now's your opportunity. Here's how you can do that. Just drop me an email, scott at happentoyourcareer.com. And let me know that you're interested in chatting with us about Career Change Bootcamp and specifically how we can help. And We'll connect you to the right person on our team, probably Philip, our director of student success. You've heard him on the podcast before, and we can find out if Career Change Bootcamp is right for you or if there's any other way that we can help you. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Adios. I am out.